How's everybody doing? You ready for a short sermon? How about a medium length sermon? How about a long sermon? Yeah, there's one. We, uh, we, we, you know, we did the Wise Man Project every year, and we get always get thank you backs, and, and people are so appreciative. Sometimes they stop by. Uh, we got a couple of cards here, uh, one from a lady named Faye. Uh, she says, I appreciate it so much. I uh, hope that uh, you all have a blessed Christmas and a happy new year. And then another lady writes to us. Uh, she quotes uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 12 through 14. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And then she writes, the generosity showed by your congregation to the elderly and disabled of the community, Artesia Properties, uh, is to me overwhelming. God bless you and God bless us all in Christian love uh, from a lady named Shirley. So we're grateful that uh, we've been able to make an impact on people's lives. A couple of uh, notes for you from our missionaries. Brad Hastings, missionary to the Native Americans, uh, said they had a revival meeting in the second week of December, had three adults and two teenagers that accepted Christ as their personal Savior. And then Joel Haynes, a missionary to the Navajo Nation, uh, in November, he said 12 people accepted Christ in five different uh, reservation churches. On, uh, that's great. On the 22nd, they had a big push for their Christmas service and they had 43 first-time visitors. That's always great to have first-time visitors. And then we have a gentleman, Chad, he's uh, with the Restricted Access Nation. Uh, he said in the last few months, 30 people have received Christ as Savior and five have followed in baptism. That's awesome for where he's at. And then Richie Oric, I love Richie Oric. He's doing a great work in a tough country, Wales. Uh, he reports that a man named Paul and two ladies named Rowena and Shannon and a child named Tiana have all accepted Christ as their personal Savior. And then uh, Dustin Reinhardt, a missionary to Chile. He writes, a lady named Esmerna and a man named Israel accepted Christ as their Savior. And then he writes about a, a lady named Anna. You see, she's a mother of four that has come been attending their church. Uh, she was saved. Her dad was a pastor, uh, and she was reared in church, and then her mom passed away, and uh, some bad decisions in life, and she walked away from Christianity for 15 years. She's now come back, and during the last six weeks, two of her daughters and two of her grandchildren have come to accept Christ as their personal Savior, and that's awesome. I just put a little note here, it's never too late. Never, never too late. That's a message we always have for everybody else, no matter where they're at, because I've dealt with a lot of people who say, oh man, I've gone too far. Nope, never too late. And then Karen Worth, missionary to Indonesia. Uh, she leads a Sunday school in one of the works they had, and they had a Christmas program on December 14th with 190 uh, in attendance. That was awesome. But she said, one thing that touched her heart was that three of the ladies that were leading that group, Stephanie, Catherine, and uh, Inda, uh, all of them have grown up in that ministry and that work and now are serving in that work. So God's doing some great things all over the world. Amen? All right. We'll start with Colossians chapter 2, really kind of our theme verse uh, for three messages I'll, I'll be preaching. Next week we've got a missionary, and then I'll uh, preach two more times uh, uh, after that on Wednesday nights, and I'll be talking about 
the subject of under construction, being under construction. If, if, we all know that in our homes, whether we rent or whether we own, uh, there's always constant need of repair. Amen? Always something. If it's not, people think, well, I'm going I'm to build a brand new home and that way I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, six months later, you have to worry about it. It's just something that's a way of life. Something's always breaking or, or family, as family needs arise, we've we got to remodel. We've got to change things. We've got to do something different. Or that's a horrible color. Or what were we thinking putting that there? Well, now we've got to change it. So everything's always being changed. You agree? As a church, it seems like we live our life under the constant state of construction. You can say, oh me, that's okay. It's just true. When Brother Tolls came uh, as pastor of this church, the church was meeting at the corner of 13th and Chisholm. The first thing he did was start to remodel that project. And then three acres of land were brought here at the corner of 20th and Grand. And nothing else was here, so they built an auditorium. And they said, okay, now we need classroom space. So uh, we built an auditorium. And then in 1988, uh, we, we looked at the church. If any of you remember the, the, you remember the orange carpet and the, the, uh, the burnt orange pews? And they were maybe pretty in 1980, but 1988, they were, I mean, 1998, they were really ugly. And so, and they had paneling, remember the paneling for the, uh, so we tore all that out. We remodeled, we, we're, we're doing something. We built a gym, then we added education wing. Two years ago, we completed construction on an auditorium. Now we're remodeling the children's wing. I'm not sure what's coming next, but one thing I do know is we'll always be under construction of some kind, always. And we can relate to that personally in regard to our homes, uh, in regard to building structures. We understand that. But what I want to talk about is more importantly this. It's the kind of construction that God is doing in our lives individually. You see, just like our homes or these facilities, our lives are constantly under construction. God's constantly doing something, working something in our lives. Each one of us are under, are under construction, spiritually speaking. Not one of us has arrived yet. If you think you've arrived, uh, let me. I want, I want you to raise your hand and you come up front and then we'll all come up and beat the stew out of you. Anyone like that? Good. Jay, come on. <laughs> we're not there yet. Now, but if I ask you to raise your hand about someone you know that thinks they're there yet, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. But we're not there yet. Uh, we're working on it. The, the children's song, my, my niece Sherry, when she was just a little bitty, used to sing to us, he's still on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. Uh, sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars, how loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me, right? Great song. I love Steve Harvey's comedy routine where he says, God ain't through with me yet. We're all under construction. We haven't arrived yet. That's me and that's you. We, we've got issues. We're, we're, we're all broken people. We're all in process. We all have needs. We all, we're, we're, we're not there yet. We all got a ways to go. And God's word is replete with this idea of being under construction or building or building up. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, he says this. 
And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. The word build here means to build up from the foundation or to restore the building completely. That's what God says he's going to do. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, our theme verse, says this, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving. That word built up, or word built up comes from the same word of Matthew chapter 16, but here it has a little different meaning, a little different idea. It has the idea of building upon something, a foundation. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20 uh, says that as followers of Christ, we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. However, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So our lives are being built upon Jesus Christ. We're all in this process of being under construction. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it puts it like this. You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here we see it. It's very important for us to see this. It says being being built up. It's a continual process of life. It, it's constant and ongoing throughout our lives. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 4 says this, for every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. God is the, the author. He is the creator. He's the, the, the replete builder. Uh, built here means to furnish or equip or to finish out. You know, uh, for me, we move into a house, and all I worry about is getting the furniture in place. And I think once we've got everything in place and everything unpacked in the doors, we're done. We're done. Right? Wrong. You got to put pictures. You got to put throw rugs down. You got to put doily stuff. You got to... You got to finish it out. Uh, I can remember years ago, I was in, I was in college, and, and, and I had a desk that I worked at, and, and one day my wife walked in. We, we were just really pretty newly married, maybe a year, year and a half, and she walks in, and she puts her hand on the door like this, guys, and she says, do you notice anything different? So first of all, I checked her out. I'm just being honest, and I'm thinking, okay, here's lid I don't think so, Dress? I don't think so. Yeah. So I, I may have said a new dress. No. So I'm still looking at it. She says, it's not me. So, so I know, okay, now something in the room. So I look all around the room. And I'm just perplexed. I said, no. And she points. I'm sitting at a desk, and right before me is a picture with two, I think they're called sconces. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Two sconces. And she says, didn't you notice that? And I looked up and I said, was there something there before? No clue. But, but it's not finished until you get all the little details in. And that's what this word means, to completely finish out. That's, that's what God's doing in our life, making us absolutely finished, making us ready for his plan and his purpose in our lives to be carried out in this world for his glory. He's building us up. He's, we're under construction. Now, there are three theological words I want to, don't go to sleep on me. 
Three theological words I want to use tonight to describe different aspects of our salvation and and expound upon them as we begin this series because it's really important we get this foundation. The first word is this, justification. It's just a theological word. Here's what it means. The judicial act of God by which, on account of Christ, to whom the sinner is united by faith, he declares the sinner to be no longer exposed to the penalty of the law, but to be holy. Justification. Declared righteous is a simple way to put it. And then the other word is sanctification. The word sanctification is the act of God by which the sinner is set apart for God. And that set apart has a positive and a negative. We're set apart for God, but we're set apart from this world. In other words, we're to be sanctified, separate, righteous, holy in the eyes of God. And then the third word is glorification. And that word means this, the the work of God at the resurrection of the believer, whereby he perfects the believer in body, soul, and spirit. The finished product. That's the completion. Now, all three of these words describe our salvation. Different aspects of it, different processes of it, but all three words describe our salvation. Justification is the past. We have been justified. The moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God says, I declare you righteous based on the work that Jesus did. You by faith repent of your sin and accept Christ as your Savior. And what God does is he takes our sin and he places it on the account of Christ and he takes the righteousness of Christ and he places that on our account. So at that moment, we are born again. We're made righteous, declared righteous by God. Before him, he doesn't see our sinfulness anymore. He sees the righteousness of his son based on the sacrifice that Jesus made. And then the present, that's the past. And the present is this, sanctification. We are being sanctified. I'd like to think that we're more righteous today than the day we got saved that we're closer to God, that we live a more godly life, that we're, we're more righteous, we're more holy in how we live and how we conduct our lives and our businesses. And then the third word is, is uh, glorification, and that's the future. It hadn't happened for us yet, but one day it will. And that's what we as believers are really hope for. That's our, that's our blessed hope, that one day, Won't it be nice one day when we won't have to fight back our flesh anymore? Some of you really need that. (laughs) It's just going to be so nice that not to think I have to fight back bad thoughts, bad actions, bad words. It's going to be done. I'll be glorified. So let's think about these three aspects of salvation with the idea of being under construction. In any, pro- in any construction project, there has to be a process. There's a beginning. You agree? That's justification. That's where it begins, the moment we accept Christ. A building doesn't just pop up all by itself. Now, again, you may think it does, but it doesn't. It doesn't happen like that. Long before a building shows up, someone has a thought or an idea. 
and they, they have a, a vision of this building, what they want to, to have. And, and, and then they have uh, architects and they start putting drawings to it. They do rough sketches and then eventually they have detailed drawings and, and then a site is chosen and contractors are hired and then there comes the day where they, they bring out the proverbial golden shovel and they step on it and, and they break ground and it's, it's, it's the beginning. We've, we've started it. All these things have, have taken place. And, and for us, as followers of Christ, uh, we have this beginning and, and all this that we've talked about so far, justification, sanctification, glorification, that all takes place within the Godhead. Think about this. My salvation is not in my hand. Thank you. I'm so glad, aren't you? That, that it, is, it is absolutely from beginning to end the work of a sinless, holy, all-powerful, almighty God. And he does that. Long before uh, that building shows up, uh, there's a plan. Well, long before anything showed up, God had a plan. God the Father devised a plan. Romans 8, 29 and 30 says this, the, one God, the ones God foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified and glorified. He had a plan in place long before we ever graced this earth. God the Son provided the sacrifice. In fact, in Revelation chapter three and verse eight, declares him as the lamb that was slain when? Before the foundation of the world. This plan was in place. God had it lined out for us. And then God, the Holy Spirit, he quickens us. And, and he gives us the spiritual and eternal life based on grace through faith in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace we're saved through our faith. So God declares us righteous, the beginning, justification, based on, get this, his own work. I love this. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, I get this, having been, past tense, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How did that all come about? By him. It is, it is, that is why he's worthy. That is why we praise him. That is why we serve him. That is why we follow him because of who he is. Based on our human nature, based on who we are, well, we're sinners. Every last one of us. Not one of us deserving the least of God's goodness, let alone all of his riches. The Bible says we were born sinners. It, it, you know, it, if you don't believe this, deal with a two-year-old. For about 30 seconds. And, and, and then you'll know, no, uh, they're not born righteous. They're, they're born sinful little creatures. I mean, they just are. And then they grow up to be really horrible sinful creatures like us. It's just, it's just who we are. We were, we, we were at odds with God based on our flesh. We, we weren't born of God. We were born of this earth. We were born of the first Adam, the fallen Adam. We were born with a sinful nature, separated from God, condemned in and by our sin, deserving of eternal hell. That's what we all deserve. That's who we are. We're fallen, sinful creatures. On our own, we don't seek God. Not a one of us sat down before time began and said to God, hey, 
You need to come up with a plan because I think things are going to go south from here. Not one of us did that. But you know who did? God did. From the very beginning, he had it all planned out because of who he is. We don't, we don't want to live for God on our own. We can't be made. Isn't it a chore to live for God? It is a struggle. It's a battle. Why? Because we've got this flesh that is constantly working against us. And, and so that's who we are by nature. We can't get to heaven based on anything we could ever do. Therefore, a sacrifice has been, had to be made. With, without a sacrifice, the book of Hebrews says there's no, no remission of sin. It can't be. I, I talked to a, a Muslim guy when I was in college, and, and I, I didn't know anything about Muslims at that time. And, and so I was talking to him about salvation and sharing the gospel with him. And he just said, and he put it like this, and literally, he just went like this. He said, well, we just believe that, you know, you, 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 have, you have all your good works on this side, and then you have all your bad stuff on this side. And whichever way that scale tips determines where you go. And I thought, right? I'm in trouble. You're in trouble. Because that just doesn't work. And even if the righteous things we could do, it never negates the sin. It never covers it. No matter how much good we could ever do, it never does away with the sin. That's always there. It has to be dealt with. Therefore, God said, I'll offer a sacrifice. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Remember way back with Abraham and Isaac, and, and, and Isaac said, hey, Dad, we got fire, we got wood, we have, no, we have no lamb. And Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice because we can't do it. So God offered up his only son, to pay for our sin. And I always, I always tell people, listen, if there was another way for us to get to heaven, God said, do that. But because there was no other way, he offered his only son for us. And it is only through Jesus Christ, realizing we're sinners, asking him to forgive us of our sin and come into our lives, it's only through that process that we can become children of God. And the moment we do that, the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says we are justified. The moment. Declared righteous. God takes our sin, places it on him. His sin, I mean his righteousness, places it on us. And he says you're declared righteous. You are given eternal life. That's what Romans chapter 10 verse 27, 28 says. Um, I see from my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them What? eternal life. Not, I might give them if they, they toe the line, if they do these seven steps. No, he says, uh-uh. No, when you believe in me, I give you eternal life. And it gets even better than that. It says he makes us his own. We become sons of God, children of God. By grace, when we accept him, our sins are placed on Christ. Uh, the account uh, the of Christ and his uh, righteousness is again placed on us. We're declared righteous, not based on what we have done. 
Titus chapter 3, verse 5 puts it like this. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And then in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, says it's according to grace, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We have salvation based on grace and mercy, nothing else. It's the goodness of God that we have salvation. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Psalms 103 verse 12 puts it like this, that our transgressions, our sins, are placed as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered. They're gone. Paid in full. Done. Therefore, when God looks at the, at the believer, he no longer sees them in their sin. He sees them under the blood, under the declaration of righteousness by the work of the Holy Spirit and the sacrifice of his son. As Romans 5.1 says, for the believer we have been justified. It's a done deal. Already accomplished, finished, nothing more to do. The moment we accepted Jesus Christ, we were going to heaven and nothing else matters. We're going to heaven, period. That's it. Because of the work of Christ, nothing else. You agree? All right. And I'm really excited about that, you know. Come on. That's a pretty good deal if you ask me. But we're born into the family of God. Ephesians says that we're not just born, we're adopted into that family. We who were not his, in love, he embraced us. And he said, now you're mine. You belong to me. I paid for you. I bought you because I love you and I care for you. And he purchased us and brought him to himself. That's the beginning for us. It starts by accepting Christ. And when we do, we are then declared righteous by God. The beginning. The beginning of any con construction project uh, has that beginning, but the beginning is not the end. Could you imagine an architect coming in, having all the plans written out, and say, there it is, your project's complete. You say, what are you, an idiot? Right? No. That's just, that's just getting us started. That's just the starting point. And justification is this, just that. It's when we accept Christ as our Savior, we're born into God's family, but he has he has so much more for us. Once we have the beginning, you move on to the next step, and that's the process. God has so much more for us. It's called sanctification. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Sanctification. God has saved us to be set apart for himself. He saved us not just to declare righteous, but for us to live righteously, to be different from this world, to have morals and values and be godly in everything that we do. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul put it like this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 and 20. Is the screen not working? I just noticed that. Oh. 
Well, good, because I had an error I was going to correct you on. Just never mind. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are, we're bought with the price. We're not our own. We don't live our life for ourselves anymore the way we think we should live. We are to live our lives with the mindset that we belong to God and we are representing him here on this earth and he is to live through us. So we are to be sanctified, set apart for him. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10 says that God has made us, I love this, he's made us kings and priests. I heard a story about a preacher who was on a plane and a guy uh, was uh, sitting next to him, and the guy was kind of getting rough with his language, and finally the preacher said, hey, if you don't mind, appreciate you watching language. I'm a priest. He said, oh, I'm sorry. And then the preacher thought about it. He said, yeah, by the way, I'm a king too. (laughs) How awesome is that? He's made us kings and priests. And if you think about a priest, if you look at a priest in the Old Testament, they were set apart for holiness. They were set apart for the service of God. They were set apart to declare and know and proclaim God's word. That's what the priests were to do. And that's what we are. We're priests unto God. We have direct access to God, each and every one of us. We can read his word and we can know it and understand it because we're priests. We're set apart for him and to him. He's redeemed us for that purpose. We are justified. We are declared righteous. We are to live righteously in this world. And here's why. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 says, so that the world can see our good works and then glorify him. Because they know us. And, and they know we can't live for God on our own so that when they see that in us, they know it's not of us, it's of him. That's sanctification. That's what we're to do and, and to be. The moment we were saved, we were declared righteous. But sanctification, well, that's a process. It's based on the work of, the, of God in us through the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a process, not immediate. Paul talks about it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He uses the word transformation, which simply means metamorphosis, to go from one thing to another. What do we say around here? We, we want to take you from where you are to where God wants you. That's sanctification. It's a process. It, it doesn't happen overnight. The word transform means just that, changing over time. And the Holy Spirit does that work in us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that should be in us. That's the Holy Spirit working and dominating and controlling our lives. These things become evident in our lives. That's why the Word of God tells us that we're not to quench the Holy Spirit. In in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 means to extinguish, to stifle. 
Ephesians chapter 4, 30 says, we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit, which means to make sorrowful through disobedience. Sanctification, it takes time. It's a process. I, I wish that it was immediate, don't you? But I know it wasn't immediate in my life. I was saved November 23rd, 1975. Most of you know my story. I was a pretty rough old boy. Lived in the world. Man, I was wild. Do you realize that I was saved November 23rd, 1975, but on January, in January 1976, I threw the biggest party I'd ever had. I wasn't, I wasn't sanctified. There's a process that I don't throw those kind of parties anymore. So you know. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. I'm not there yet. God's still working in me. I'm, there's a lot of junk in me. And it's a process that's taking place over time. But understand this. In order for that process to happen, we have to be active participants in sanctification. Jude verse 20 says this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, building yourselves up means you have a part in it. Sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But as 1 Thessalonians 5 and Ephesians chapter 4 say, we're not to quench it. We're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We're to be active participants in it. When we, after we accept Christ, we just can't sit around and say, okay, make me holy. I'm ready now doesn't happen like that. It, it, it takes time. It, it's a process. I like the way it's put in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. It says this, put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And I like those two words, put on. It means to slip into like a new garment. It's a transformation that takes place. And and as a follower of Christ, I, I've got to be actively participating in this sanctification. I've got to be yielding to the Holy Spirit's work in my life. I've got to be absorbing the word of God. I, there's some things I can do in this process of sanctification. It, it, it's, it's on me. I can pray. Can you pray? Sure. Well, that's a participation. I can communicate with God. I can ask God to help me. I can ask God to strengthen me. I can ask God to empower me. I can ask God to, to help me get rid of some thoughts and attitudes and actions. I can ask God to do that. And then I can read God's word. And then I can choose to follow it. Or I can choose not to. But I can choose to. Here's why. Because I was once dead. And when I was dead, I couldn't do anything but dead thing, things, dead people do the wrong things. But the moment I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, he made me alive. And now I've got power that I didn't have before. It's life in me. So it's God living inside of me. And now I have this ability through him to live righteously. And as I said, it's a process. It doesn't happen in a set amount of time. It's like, boy, I would have loved it. Okay, okay, so a year and 10 months from now, you're going to be sanctified. I would have loved that. But I'm 40 years plus 
in this process. And I'm not there yet. It's a lifelong process, sanctification is. From the moment we accept Christ to that moment we draw our last breath or till Jesus comes. We're in process. That's sanctification. Always should be always taking place in our life. We have a beginning. We have a process. But I like the completion. Remember the definition of glorification. The work of God at the resurrection of the believer, whereby he perfects the believer in body, soul, and spirit. Now, Arnold Schwarzenegger may have thought he had a perfect body, right? But he's wrong. He, he doesn't have one. We're going to get one. Now, what that perfect body looks like, I don't know. I had a preacher friend of mine. He was like five foot two with flaming red hair. And he was preaching one time. And he was talking about glorification. He said, man, I can't wait till we all get to heaven and we're all five foot two with flaming red hair. I don't know what a perfect body's gonna look like, but I know we're gonna have one. And all this stuff is gonna be past. It's gonna be behind us. We have been saved. We're justified. We are being saved. We're, we're being sanctified now. But one day we will completely be saved in the sense of this glorification. There will come a day when our salvation will be complete, finished, final in Christ. That's the day of glorification. 1 Corinthians 15 puts it like this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Complete victory. The final product, completion. There is a day when this struggle will end. <clears throat> a day when this will all pass away. A day when we'll be free, completely and we will be just as God wants us to be. It's the glorification, the finished product. Our old flesh and the wicked one will be completely out of our lives. We will have the final victory. Here's what we have to look forward to. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3 says this. Beloved, now, now we are children of God. Now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. I don't know what that moment's going to be like, but I know it's going to be grand. Done. Over. Finished. Our salvation complete. 
No more under construction. The task will be finished. Now we're all under construction. As I said, God has a plan and a design. And he's carrying it out right now, working in our lives. And one day, he'll complete that little project. It will be finished. And we shall be like him just as he desires. Two things and I'll be done. Number one, I just got to ask this. Do you know him? You see, it doesn't matter what else you know if you don't know him. And I'm not saying know about him. Do you know him as your personal savior? Have you given your life to him? Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10 says that if we confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Have you done that? You see, if you haven't, then you're not justified. You won't be sanctified and you're never going to be glorified. Because it only happens through him. The second thing is this. In two weeks, I'll get into the specifics of being under construction. That's this. How God is building us up. You see this process. A lot of specifics to it. But how is God shaping us, forming us, molding us? How is it that we're going to become what he wants us to become? Good night. Have a great week. See you Sunday.